Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody here tonight. Glad to have you with us again online. Uh, welcome there on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. Be sure to heart, to like, to share, to subscribe. Click that notification bell. Do the thumbs up there. Uh, all that just helps uh, with all those algorithms to get all that information out there uh, so that people can tune in to us uh, as we're live. So even if you just get on uh, and you even make some comment, that helps even more. That pushes it even higher. Uh, and so if you share it, that pushes it even higher. So be sure to do those things uh, and welcome also to our phone live streaming folks who are listening uh, there. Uh, if you need that number, we'll be glad to give that to you. Call the church office. We'll be glad to give that to you, or I can give it to you tonight uh, after the service. Uh, if you have the uh, option to get on to our website there, you have the access there. Uh, if you go to HighlandBaptistChurch.com, it's under the info tab. Uh, you can download the worship bulletin, the children's worship bulletins. there in the windowsill to my right. Uh, and just know you can send those links to anybody that you want to uh, and share those resources. They're not uh, restricted or anything. Uh, use it as an outreach to share with your friends, your, your grandchildren, your nephews, nieces. Uh, let them know about it too, especially those children's bulletins. And then also don't forget that you can download the, wor the uh, prayer list uh, there. Those are on the table out here across from the office uh, in the holders where the magazines are. And then don't forget to go to the far right-hand side, click that Give Online tab there. Uh, a real simple, easy platform. If you're at home, you can see that on your screen, uh, how that works there. So be sure to do that. If you're in person, you can do that, uh, but you can also do it with your envelopes. As I see envelopes in the window sills, uh, you can pick those up and put your offering plate, offering in the plate uh, before you leave tonight, and we'll be sure to collect those. And I do remember whoever's collecting tonight, uh, some out in the foyer there, so be sure to get that uh, with us tonight. So I think that's it that I have. Brother Bradley, if you'll come and lead us. We're going to sing number 22, Bless His Holy Name. Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, bless 
Well, take your Bibles, if you will, tonight. You're in for a double feature <laughs> tonight. So go back, if you will, to where we were this morning uh, with John chapter 16, verse 12 through verse 15. I only had about 10 more minutes of that message, but I wanted to make sure to get that in and to share that with you uh, tonight. And so we're going to go back to verse 12. Uh, you maybe had seen the next point. Uh, on your screen there. Uh, you see there that the Holy Spirit comforts us in our sorrow. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, convicts us uh, of our sin. Uh, the Holy Spirit conveys to us the identity of Jesus and convinces us of the certainty of judgment. And then we come to this point where it starts to get even a little more practical, uh, where we see that the Holy Spirit is our own personal guide. And so uh, we're going to look at that in just a moment, but if you will, let's look at verse uh, 12, and we'll just start with just that verse only. Uh, so let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. Thank you. So verse 12 says, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer tonight, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this upper room discourse that we've been hearing these encouraging words from Jesus as he's been sharing with his disciples about uh, the impending uh, cross that is coming, uh, his death and his burial and his resurrection. And yet there's so much in these uh, three and four chapters here that we're looking at that uh, has so much for us to apply to our lives. And yet we have just barely dug under the surface uh, of this passage. And so I pray tonight that this will go a little bit deeper for us and that this will help us also to learn how to apply this to our hearts and lives about the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and to understand his ministry for us, that he comforts, convicts, conveys, and convinces, and, and now that we see that he also guides us uh, in each and every day. So lead us and guide us tonight through your word. May it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, when we think of that word guide, uh, interestingly in the Greek, uh, in the Greek language, it's a word that's used to describe someone who guides a person who's blind. And that's literally what it means about us, that when we are dead in our sin, we are blind to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. We're blind to the direction of the Lord, and we need a guide to lead us uh, through this life. And so it literally means here, lead the way. So uh, understand this, when God saves us, which is what we uh, came to the conclusion of uh, this morning, when He saves us, He doesn't just leave us to grope around in the darkness, trying to fill around uh, how 
how do I do this? What do I do? How do I know your will? What, what is your will? Uh, how do I follow your word? How do I obey your word? He's given us everything in his word. We just need to get in his word and study it, and not only study it, but begin living it. And, and so he doesn't just leave us to grope in the darkness. He enables us to walk in the light. Because we have the light of the world living within us. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit lives within us. Uh, he, he's within us. He moves behind us. He goes before us. Now, the Holy Spirit has two ministries. He has a ministry to the sinner. That's what we talked about this morning, that convicting of our sin uh, to bring us to the place of salvation. Uh, no one comes to the Father but by me, Jesus said. It's the Spirit who leads us to the Father. And so he has that ministry to us as sinners. But then he also has a ministry to the saints. And this is where it applies to us most importantly uh, as believers. Uh, and so if you didn't get to come this morning, hopefully you're watching uh, online so that you can get this uh, important part of this message from this morning uh, here in John chapter 16. And, and so he has the ministry to the sinner. He has the ministry to the saint. In verses 5 through 11, we see that the Holy Spirit has that comforting ministry has a convicting ministry, the conveying ministry, the convincing ministry, and the converting ministry to the sinner. But now things change when you come to verse 12 to verse 15, where he has a communicating ministry to the saint. Uh, he has come to guide us, uh, and more specifically, to guide us into all truth. So that's one thing you can count on. He's not going to tell you something that's a lie. If there's something that is contrary to God's Word uh, that you're hearing, that you're sensing something's leading you, that's not from the Lord, that's from the devil. Uh, because the, the Lord is only going to direct you, the Holy Spirit is only going to speak to you and guide you into all truth. Truth is the major concern of the Holy Spirit. In fact, both here in verse 13, uh, as we're going to see, and in John 14, 17, he is called the Spirit of truth. So we, when we learn about this aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit, when we begin to learn this, we can begin then to understand that he's the only God that we'll ever need. So uh, notice these points as we look here at verse 12, that the Holy Spirit guides us to receive the truth. He guides us to receive the truth. Verse 12 again, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So Jesus understands as he's speaking to his disciples, don't miss the blessing of that verse, because with, with God, timing is more important than time itself. So yes, Jesus is getting ready to go, and he could just blurt it all out to them and tell them everything he wanted to tell them, but he says, you're not ready to receive everything I want to tell you. You know, sometimes when God, it seems to us that God isn't moving, uh, it, it, many times it, it may be because of this very reason is because you're not ready for what he has to say yet. And, and he's getting you ready, getting you to that place. He'll lead you and tell you uh, when you get to that place. But when God leads, he not only leads in the right way, he leads in the right place, 
and he leads at the right time. Now, there was a lot of truth that those apostles needed to learn, uh, to, to record, to pass on to us. And they do learn those things, and they do pass on so much more to us. But they weren't ready before Jesus was hanging on the cross. It was after his resurrection, even really after his ascension, that they began to learn more uh, from the Word, from the Holy Spirit that inspires them to write uh, the Gospels and then the letters that they write to the churches. So at this particular moment, they're not ready for it. Now, when Jesus spoke of the Spirit guiding into all truth, there's an important word in the Greek language that is missed in the English. In the Greek language, it literally says, the truth. Uh, so go on and read verse 13. It says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And so what he's referring to here is the truth of the word of God. Now, the Holy Spirit has come to guide us into truth about God, the truth about sin, the truth about salvation, the truth about life, the truth about death, the truth about heaven, and the truth about hell. In other words, He has come to guide us into the truth that really matters. And now that truth is found in the truth of the Bible. But we can't understand the Bible, uh, nor can we understand the truth of the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit uh, within us. And so you need the Holy Spirit when you're reading God's Word. That's why those who don't know Christ, that, that when they read the Word of God, it's foolishness to them. They don't understand it because they don't have the Holy Spirit to speak to them to help them to understand. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Uh, who can guide you uh, and who can enable you to receive the truth that's found in the Word of God. Because anybody can read the Bible without the help of, help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for them, it would be just like reading some other novel, uh, reading some other uh, epic book, uh, and it would just be reading for reading's sake. But nobody can understand the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is what we might call God's transformer, that He transforms us, He changes us, He molds us, He shapes us. In fact, the Bible says that, that the Word of God renews our mind. It, it transforms our mind. Uh, the more we uh, read it, the more we study it, the more we apply it and live in that truth. And so uh, He takes that incredible truth of God. I mean, just think about that. That's an awesome thought for us to even consider that you hold the Word of the living God in your hands. We ought to count this precious because there were many throughout the decades and centuries before who didn't have this. There are many around this world who don't have this in their own language. And so there are many translators, uh, Wycliffe translators and many others who are working on translating the Scriptures uh, into those people's uh, native languages. And so he gives us his word, this incredible truth of God, in the right place, at the right time, in the right way, gives it to us in such a way that we can handle it. And we ought to count this word precious. Uh, and we can use it then to give us the power that we need to be all that God needs for us to be. Because he acts as the transformer of divine truth and, and th so that we can receive it. We also see that the Holy Spirit guides us to remember the truth. 
to remember the truth. Look again at verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. I mean, think about this. Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus Himself never wrote anything down that we know of? Several of the apostles and most of the prophets considered their messages so important they wrote it down on, on paper, on papyrus, and, and so others could know about it. In fact, were, they, they were even told by God to write it down. But even though Jesus believed his authority was supreme, and even though everything that he said was straight from the mouth of God the Father, he himself never picked up a pen and wrote it down. And the reason was, was because he anticipated the reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, in verse 26 that we've already looked at, here's what Jesus said. In verse 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So you see, how do we know that the disciples remembered correctly what Jesus said and told us everything that he did say that he wanted us to hear? Well, it's because the Holy Spirit guided those writers of the Word of God he guided them to remember the truth. You know, we often forget things. But the reason why we have a New Testament is because the disciples and the apostles, they weren't allowed to forget what Jesus taught. But they were reminded of the truth that he gave as well as the truth that was to come. Think about this. In John chapter 14, verse 26 there, he promises that the Spirit would teach the disciples all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. That's the Gospels that we read. The first part is the letters, but the last part of verse 13 is the book of Revelation. So the Holy Spirit came to guide us into historical truth from the Gospels, doctrinal truth from the epistles, and prophetical truth from the book of Revelation. So he says, For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come, things that are out there yet, the prophecies, the book of Revelation. Uh, but these words were not only given to these disciples, they were given to us. Because the Holy Spirit not only reminded them what to write, he reminds us of what they wrote. Uh, so even many times if you don't have your Bible with you, if you've been reading God's Word, studying God's Word, some of it ought to be sticking in there that you start remembering a few of those passages so that when you don't have your Bible and you're facing difficult circumstances, the Holy Spirit can pull those Scriptures up in your heart and your mind to remind you uh, of the Word of God. I mean, think about this. Have you ever been in a situation where at the right time, God gives you a verse of Scripture. Maybe you're going through a depressing time. Maybe you're going through a discouraging time. Maybe you don't know what the decision is you need to make. And at the right time, at the right moment, God reminds you of a passage of Scripture. Maybe you're in that difficult time of life. Maybe you're going through a tough situation. That verse of Scripture springs to your mind. That is the reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important to be in the Word of God, to get the Word of God into your heart, because God cannot remind you of what you've never read. 
That's a powerful thing to think about. He cannot remind you of what you've never read. So the Holy Spirit guides us to remember the truth. Get into His Word, study His Word, remember His Word. Let Him do that work in your life. And then the final truth we need to learn here about the Holy Spirit guiding us is to respond to the truth. Uh, when you come again to verse 13 here, remember in verse 13, the truth refers to the Bible. You see the Holy Spirit leads us to the Scriptures, and then He leads us in the Scriptures, and then He leads us by the Scriptures. So the, it's just what Psalm tells us, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit does uh, in your life. And that's what Jesus meant when He said in verse 13, uh, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will guide you into the truth. That is, he will speak only what God wants to say and what God wants you to hear. And there'll be those things that'll be found in the Bible. So things that you hear, things that you think, is this the Lord speaking to me? Go back to the Word of God to see, does that match up with the Word of God? Because if it doesn't, you may need to study a little bit stronger in the Word to make sure. Uh, but if it doesn't, then you need to realize that may not be from the Lord. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit, He's not some kind of independent contractor. He doesn't speak on His own. When He speaks, He speaks what He hears from the Father, what He hears from the Son, and what they want us to hear uh, for our lives. And so uh, there's a very important principle here that we can learn about the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever lead you into any area or any situation that violates the Word of God. He'll never lead you to make a decision that's against the Word of God. So if you're not experiencing the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, the problem isn't that the Holy Spirit isn't speaking. The problem is one of two things. First of all, we're not hearing. So often we're deafened by the noise of the world. we got so many things going on that are crowding out uh, the, the Word of God. We're busy in, in mundane things, uh, so busy that we don't turn down the television, we don't uh, quiet the crowd, we don't put down the phone or the device that we have in our hands and, and give ourselves that atmosphere, that time that we need in order to hear the Spirit of God speak. Now, that doesn't mean that those things can't be useful. But when those things begin to impede hearing the voice of God, then we need to put those things aside and listen to God uh, until we hear from God. The other problem that we, uh, that we may be having is that we're hearing, but we're not obeying. We're either not obeying because we're just in rebellion, or we don't like what he said, and we don't want to do that. You know, there is no, where, where there is no obedience, uh, there will be no guidance. Because you see, the problem with most believers isn't that we need guidance in what we don't know. It's, in the, it's that we are not obeying what we do know. You know, so often we want to know what is another truth in the Bible? What's another new thing I can learn from the Bible? Are you doing the things you already know? And so the way to learn the will of God in some unknown area of your life is to obey the will of God in the known areas of your life. And so the Holy Spirit will lead you to receive truth. He'll lead you to remember truth only if you're already determined to allow Him to lead you to respond to the truth. And then in verse 14 and verse 15, we see that the Holy Spirit leads us to the reverence, to reverence the truth. So verse 14 says, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine, talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus, uh, 
For he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine, Jesus, and declare it to you, disciples, followers. All that the Father has is mine, that's Jesus. Therefore I said, Jesus said, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So understand that the Holy Spirit hasn't come to ju just to guide us to know things. It's not just about knowing things up here. The Holy Spirit has come to guide us to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him, to glorify Him. It's through the Holy Spirit that God wants us to be in that inner circle, in the know of what is going on. Even now, the Father is glorifying the Son as the only way to be saved. The Son, He's glorifying the Father by seeking to reconcile us to himself. And the Holy Spirit is glorifying the Son and the Father by living in us, giving us the power to obey the Father. Because in and of ourselves, we can't obey. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit. He's giving us the power to obey the Father. He's giving us the faith to trust in the Son and to do all of it so that we can glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That principle helps us to remember something else about the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He will always guide us to do nothing more, nothing else, nothing less, and nothing but glorify Jesus Christ. So uh, let me encourage you to make sure that in your life you are glorifying Jesus Christ in, in everything you say, in, in all that you do. Uh, and so uh, that's the truth that I wanted you to see. You know, when uh, the Holy Spirit fills us and helps us to follow Him, you know, when a large ship enters a harbor, uh, it takes on board what's called a harbor master. Uh, I've used this illustration before. There's a, uh, this is a man who, who, who knows that particular harbor. Uh, he knows the length of it. He knows the depth of it. He knows where the hazards are. He knows where the what the tides are, uh, the currents are, what direction they're flowing in, how strong they are. And when that harbor master comes on board, he takes control of that ship. He gives the orders to the captain who's steering the ship. He's an outside expert who's brought in to make sure that the ship docks safely. So understand, as we sail through the sea of life, we've been given a harbor master. We've been given the Holy Spirit. He knows the currents. He knows the tides. He knows the hazards. He knows the flows. And if you'll let him guide your, the ship of your life, he will guide you safely through to the harbor of heaven because he's the only guide that you'll ever need. That's the ministry of the Spirit. He comforts us in our sorrow. He convicts us of our sin. He conveys to us our need for Jesus, our, the identity of Jesus. And he convinces us of the certainty of judgment that's coming. And he helps us to see he is the only guide that you'll ever need to navigate life's journey safely through to the other side in our home in heaven. And so I just wanted to make sure I shared that with you because that is so critically important to the rest of what he told us about, about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So now I want you to take and change gears here. You get your double feature here with the book of Psalms. In Psalm chapter 8, it's just nine verses. So it's not very long. You're thinking, preacher, I know you preached some shorter verses and it took a long time. This is verse 1 through 9. We're going to go through this fairly quickly. So just look at there. I don't have this on the screen with the superscription, 
We'll look at it. We'll look at the uh, uh, verse one here uh, in just a moment. But he says to the choir master, according to the Giddeth, a psalm of David. So just understand, this is a psalm of David. It's a, an event that's happened in his life. We don't know what the event is uh, that's caused him to to gaze into the heavens, to gaze at the nature around him, and to see the majesty of who Jesus Christ, uh, who God is. Uh, and so he begins in verse one and says, "O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth." You have set your glory above the heavens. We're going to stop right there because I want to share with you some to prepare you as we get to this. Because I've entitled this part of the message, this message, God's Masterpiece. And I want you to see what God's Masterpiece is. It may shock you, may surprise you what God's Masterpiece is. From the time that we're born, God has given us inquisitive, uh, an inquisitive nature. Uh, the question that we ask as the children without ever being taught the question is the word what? Why? Why? Even though we become full-grown adults, though, we still uh, have what we guess you would call some childish why questions. I came across a few of these uh, why questions uh, that I came across. For example, if man evolved from monkeys and apes, why do we still have monkeys and apes? Why is it that doctors call what they do practice? <laughs> I want not practicing on you, do you? Why is it considered necessary to nail down the lid of a coffin? Why don't you ever see in the headlines, psychic wins lottery? You should see that all the time, shouldn't we? Because they know what's going to happen. Why, here was one I didn't even ever thought about this. Why are there interstate highways in Hawaii? <laughs> There's no other states that you're going to drive to to be an interstate. <laughs> Uh, you, you know that little indestructible black box that they use on airplanes? Why can't they make the whole plane out of that same substance? <laughs> they can always find that thing, but the plane gets destroyed. You know, so w w why, do, why do prisons sterilize needles that they use for lethal injections? Why do kamikaze pilots wear helmets? Why doesn't glue stick to the bottle? You remember Tarzan? You used to watch Tarzan? Why doesn't Tarzan have a beard? You ever thought of that? He's having out in the wild. How's he getting no beard? Here's another one about TV and movies. Why does Superman stop bullets with his chest, but he ducks when you throw a, a gun at him? <laughs> you see that all the time. Here's one. Why do they lock gas station bathrooms? Are they afraid somebody's going to break in and clean it? <laughs> There's one question, though, that every person on this earth ought to answer uh, or their life is going to be totally wasted and squandered and their potential will never be reached. The question is this. Why am I here? Why am I here? What do I bring to the table of life? What is my role on this earth? Until we understand that we're a creation of God put on this planet to play a special God-given role, you're going to wander through the hallways of life aimlessly, never finding the right door to the real meaning of your life. God knows something about you that many of you don't even realize. And that is this, that you are special. 
when God created you, He put you on this planet, and that automatically means because He put you here, placed you here in the time of, of the generations that He put you here, in the place that He put you at, you're special. Every person has a God-given unique role to play in life that gives life meaning and purpose and fulfillment. God designed every one of us to play literally the role of a lifetime. So here's the key takeaway you need to get from Psalm chapter 8. God wants your life to be so different that you make a difference in the lives of others. He wants your life to be so different that you make a difference in the lives of others. In this beautiful expression in Psalm 8 of praise to God, here is David who stands amazed that the God of creation, the great and glorious Jehovah, would pay any attention to frail people on this earth. David understands that God glorifies himself in the heavens, but how can he glorify himself on the earth through such weak, sinful people? Now, this psalm is what we call a nature psalm. You're going to see some of those as we go through psalms. Uh, but it's also a messianic psalm. Uh, the answer to the question, what is man, is ultimately answered in Jesus Christ, who is the last Adam, uh, through whom we regain our lost dominion. As we worship, as we serve God, as we worship God, we glorify His name on earth. That's what verse 1 is saying. If you go down to verse 9, verse 9 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. So repeating again uh, what he's talked about in verse 1. Apart from knowing God, you can have no understanding of who we are, and what we're to do in this great universe. So this ties back in to what John's telling us uh, through Jesus about the Holy Spirit. You need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior to have that understanding of who God has created you to be and what you're to do in this great universe. So David gives us three truths that we all need as a foundational understanding to be the most effective follower of Jesus Christ that we can be. Here's the first. God made you a unique person. He made you a unique person. So there are many people who struggle with self-esteem problems because they don't realize who they are and who God made them to be. One thing many of us need to do is to quit worrying about what other people think of us and letting others determine our self-image. Somebody has said one time that at 20, we worry about what, uh, what people think about us. At 40, we don't care what people think about us. And at 60, we find out nobody's been thinking of us. <laughs> What really matters is, does God think of you? And what does he think of you? And we're given an exciting answer when we come down to verse 4. So let's read on verse 1 down to verse 4. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes or your enemies to steal the enemy and the avenger. When, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, here's verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? The Message Bible states that verse this way. Why do you bother with us? Why even take a second look? Think about that. 
David said, we have God's attention. He thinks about us. We have God's affection. He cares for us. You know, one of the most mind-boggling verses in all the Bible is in Psalm 40, verse 5, that reads this, You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. What has been multiplied? Your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. Your deeds toward us and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Think about that take all of the supercomputers that there would be in the world, put them together, they could never calculate the number of times God thinks about us. That ought to make us think and, and be ashamed of how little we think of God and amazed at how much God thinks about us. Then David goes on to say that not only does God think about us, but God cares about us. What is man that you are mindful of him, that you think of him? And the son of man that you would even care for him, that he would even care for us. So we not only have his attention, we have his affection. And that ought to tell us just how valuable we really are. I mean, think about this. God doesn't love you because you're valuable. You're valuable because God loves you. That's a whole different way of our thinking. That God doesn't love us because we're valuable. I have no value. We sing the song, Just As I Am, I'm Just a Worm. I'm, I'm, I'm lower than the dirt, is what we're saying in that song. There's no value intrinsically within me. I'm valuable because God loves me. David goes on to say this in verse 5. Yet... Even though he's insignificant, what is it that you would even think of him or care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings or the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. That ought to just blow your mind that God thinks about you and cares about you that much. That he has placed us a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him, us with glory and honor. We have, by God's own design, been put just a little lower on the shelf of existence from Him, made in His image. He sees us as the crown jewel of His creation. And so you go back to the title of my message, God's Masterpiece. You're starting to get the picture. What is God's masterpiece? It's you. You're His masterpiece. You've been created in his image. You are the crown jewel of all creation. And the reason is you're totally unique and distinct from everything else in existence. We've all heard of DNA. Not getting too technical or too complicated, but DNA confirmed for the first time that every person on this planet, with the exception of identical twins, has a unique genetic fingerprint. Alex Jeffries, who's a British gen geneticist uh, who was able to separate DNA into genetic markers, said this, you would have to look for one part, one part, in a million, 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 million before you could find one pair with the same genetic fingerprint. 
It, he said, it can be categorically said that a genetic fingerprint is individually specific and that any pattern accepting identical twins does not belong to anyone on the face of this planet who has ever been or ever will be. That's why you don't have to and should never compare yourself with anybody else. That's pretty special because you're the only one of you that there is. And Samantha says, amen, there's only one of him. <laughs> I came across this piece of advice. Be who you is, because if who you is, who you ain't, you ain't who you is. That's, that's good. You be yourself because you are the unique self that God made you. Here's the second thing we find from this psalm, verse 6 through verse 8. God has given you a unique passion. You're not only unique on the outside, you're unique on the inside. You're not just unique in that, that you have blonde hair and blue eyes and, and you're plump, fat, whatever. <laughs> you're male, you're female. You're not just the outside, but internally, you are unique on the inside because God has given each one of us a desire to be something. Every one of us has a God-given passion to do something, to be an authority over some part of our life. Uh, we've been given both a passion and a gift to have sovereignty over certain areas of life. That passion is what gives life meaning and makes you productive. You realize that most people uh, aren't living out their passion? I came across a study by Gallup uh, from last year in its State of the Global Workplace in its 2022 report. It found that along with dissatisfaction, workers are experiencing staggering rates of both disengagement and unhappiness. Uh, you've heard uh, about those who have just been leaving the workplace and, and, and just leaving it all together. They're disengaging. They're unhappy. It went on to say that 60% of people reported being emotionally detached at work, 19% as being miserable, only 33% reported feeling engaged. But that's even lower than the reports that were given back in 2025. In the U.S. specifically, 50% of workers reported feeling stressed at their jobs on a daily basis. 41% is, is being worried. 22% is being sad. 18% is being angry. If you compare that survey to one that was done back in 2005, things have only gotten worse. With only 45% back then of workers, American workers, saying they're satisfied or extremely satisfied with their jobs, and only 20 percent feeling they're compassionate about their jobs. Those numbers have continued to drop all the way through 2022. The truth of the matter, though, is you have unique gifts that nobody else has. To fulfill a unique calling that nobody else can fulfill. That's why when you wake up every morning, even though you can't control what's going to happen to you that day, you can control whether or not you're going to be passionate about that day, whether or not you're going to exercise your God-given gifts and the God-given passion that He's given to you to do what God has called you and created you to do within the enthusiasm that God deserves. I saw a prayer that one time went like this. Dear Lord, so far as today, I'm doing all right. 
I haven't gossiped, I haven't lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I haven't whined, I haven't cursed, I haven't eaten any chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes and I'll need a lot more help after that. Amen. <laughs> That's where a lot of us are. We're fine until we get out of bed. What really matters is not how long you live, but how you live. It's not the duration of your life, but the giving of your life that counts. We're all different. We all have different interests. We all have different passions. We have different skills. We have different gifts. We have different abilities. And there's a reason for that. God made you who you are so you could do what he wants you to do. And so you need to take that God-given unique passion that he's given you that's wrapped up in your unique personality. Uh, that, that is you and you alone. And let that passion drive you every day to fulfill the potential to be what God wants you to be and to do God, what God wants you to do. That is your role in this life. Life is too short being miserable and doing uh, what you don't want to do, what you have no passion to do. Live out your passion and go for what God has given you in your hearts. Here's the third point. God has designed you for a unique purpose. He made you a unique person. He's given you a unique passion also that you could fulfill his unique purpose that he's created for you. Go on down if you will and we'll continue reading. So he continues and says when you get to verse 6, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Uh, that's, the, that's the task that he's given to you. But notice verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Everything God has made, he has made for a purpose, including you. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 4 says this, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. And that tells us a couple of things. God has made us for a purpose, and He knows what that purpose is. And God wants to reveal that purpose to us so that we can fulfill it. A survey was taken sometime back in USA Today that asked the question, if you had the opportunity to get a direct, clear response from God, what one question would you ask Him? And almost with a two-to-one margin over the number two answer, the number one question people would ask God is this, why am I here on this earth? Why are you here on this earth? Do you even know? Are you just going through the motions, just going through the routine uh, of daily living? I'm convinced that the overwhelming majority of people on this earth go through life searching for purpose and meaning, but never really find it because they're looking in all the wrong places. There was a Charlie Brown comic strip one time where Lucy was philosophizing and Charlie was listening. And as usual, Charlie, he's on the floor and, and she's delivering one of her dogmatic lectures that she's giving. And she says, Charlie Brown laughs like a, like a deck chair. She said, some place it so they can see where they're going, others place it to see where they've been, and some put it to see where they are. The last caption in the comic shows Charlie with a big sigh saying, I can't even get my chair unfolded. 
And that's where a lot of us are. Uh, you know, uh, there are so many people who are just like Charlie Brown that, that when it comes to their real purpose and their real meaning in life, they just can't seem to get the chair unfolded. Billy Graham told this true story one time about Albert Einstein. He said that years ago, the, this great scientist, uh, Einstein, was on a train. He was bound for New York City. As a ticket taker came walking through the car, Einstein, they, he said, uh, Billy said, reached into his pocket to, to get out his ticket, but he couldn't find it. And so he's frantically searching his coat pockets, he's turning his, his pant pockets inside out, and he still couldn't find the ticket. And the ticket taker, he, he says, I know who you are, Mr. Einstein, don't worry, we all know who you are, just forget about it. Well, about 20 minutes later, the ticket taker comes back through the car, and by that time, Einstein's down on all fours on the floor, searching everywhere for that lost ticket. And the ticket taker, again, he tries to, to, to assure Einstein by saying, Mr. Einstein, please don't worry about that lost ticket. We trust you. We believe you purchased it, and that's good enough for us. Einstein looked up at that railroad employee, and he said to him, he said, young man, this isn't a matter of trust. It's a matter of direction. I need to find this ticket because I forgot where I'm going. Because <laughs> he traveled so much in that day. God has a direction he wants for your life to take. And life's greatest achievement is finding that direction and taking it. Yogi Berra got it right when he said, you'd better be careful if you don't know where you're going because if you don't, you might not get there. I've got some great news for you that every one of us who is here tonight or watching online who is a follower of Jesus Christ, you not only have a unique purpose, you know what, you can know what that purpose is. You may not know what it is right now, but you can know what that purpose is. That's where we go back to what we talked about at the beginning of this message and the separate message from this morning about the Holy Spirit who can guide you. You, know, you not only have that unique purpose so you can know what that purpose is, God's purpose is for that unique person to use your unique passion to serve the ultimate purpose of bringing glory and honor to the, to God, to the God who made you. God wants your life to be so different that you make a difference in the lives of others. In 1983, John Scully quit his position at PepsiCo to become the president of Apple Computer. He took a big risk leaving his prestigious position with a well-established company to join the ranks of what back then was an unproven little outfit that offered no guarantees and only the excitement of one man's transforming vision. When somebody asked him why he was making that risky move, he said it was when Apple co-founder Steve Jobs asked him this question. Do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water, or do you want a chance to change the world? In his time at Apple, sales went from $800 million to $8 billion in 10 years. He left there, when he left there, Apple had $2 billion in cash and $200 million in debt. That's unbelievable. I close with this question to every person who's watching online, every person who's here tonight. And I want to stress this, no matter what your age is, do you want to live your life as usual or do you want to live a changed life that can change the lives of others? Because it doesn't matter what age or stage you are in life. It doesn't matter your financial standing. It doesn't matter your social, uh, social standard in this, in this society. 
It doesn't matter what age you are. Here's a story I want to share with you. There was a boy whose dad died when he was five years old. This boy dropped out of school after the sixth grade. By the time he was 17, he lost job after job after job. He married at 18. His wife had a baby at 19. He was separated from his wife at 20. He became a railroad conductor, but he got fired. He joined the Army, but he washed out. He became a farmer, lost his shirt. He applied to law school, but he got turned down. He became an insurance salesman, but he couldn't give it away. Finally, he became a dishwasher and a cook in a two-bit restaurant. One thing he was able to do was to finally persuade his wife to come back to him, and together they made a living cooking and washing dishes in that little restaurant. At 65 years of age, he retired. He went out to the mailbox, got that first Social Security check back then that had a grand total of $105. How would you like to live on that for Social Security a month? This 65-year-old man, he was so discouraged, he decided he was going to commit suicide. He went out and he sat under a shade tree. He wrote out his last will and his testament, determined to end his life. Somehow his wife found out about his scheme and confronted him. And she said, let me tell you one thing. I believe, uh, here's one thing I believe you can do better than anybody else I've ever known. And he said, what? And she said, you can cook. He said, do you really think so? She said, you're fabulous. So that gave him an idea. He went down to the local bank. He borrowed $87 against that Social Security check. He went to the supermarket, bought chicken and some boxes, fried it with a special recipe that he developed on his own, put it in boxes, and began going door-to-door -door in Corbin, Kentucky, selling his chicken. It became so popular, he came up with the idea to try to sell it to restaurants. Well, guess what? He was turned down 1,114 times before a man named John Y. Brown tasted his chicken and said, I want to go into business with you. That man's name, as you know, was Colonel Harlan Sanders, the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken. In his retirement, finally finding his purpose in life. You could be in your retirement tonight, and it doesn't matter. God may be speaking to you that he is wanting to show you something bigger than you've ever done in your life, and he wants to use you for that unique purpose, with that unique passion that you have, with the unique you that you are. So it doesn't matter what age you are. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. So I'll ask it again. Do you want to live your life as usual? Or do you want to live a changed life that can change the lives of others? Because understand, when you have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and you finally begin to realize that God has made you that unique person, that He has given you a unique passion inside, and, and He has designed you for a unique purpose as a unique person, God's masterpiece is what you are then you can truly fulfill the role of a lifetime that God has prepared for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, if we don't get anything else from this passage that David is showing us, Lord, we can look at all the handiwork and the stars and the creation around us, 
But David comes down to say, why would you even think of us? We're so insignificant. Why would you even care? And yet you do. And yet you've created us, each and every one unique. You've given each one of us unique passions. You've got a unique purpose for every one of us. And maybe we've been fulfilling a part of that purpose for this part, for up to this point of our life, but you're wanting to transition us into something even greater than we could ever imagine. I don't know what that is for each one of us, but as we said in the beginning of this uh, message tonight and looking at the Holy Spirit, you know and you want us to know, and the Holy Spirit, the closer we, the more time we spend in your word, the closer we get to you, the more you're going to speak to our hearts to show us what that is, what that unique purpose is. But you're not going to give us that unique purpose if we're not going to be faithful in the little things. So help us, Lord, to be faithful in doing the little things and to make the greatest impact that we can for your kingdom's sake in whatever time we have left. Lord, help us to realize and to understand this truth that it does not matter what age we are or what stage we are in life, you still have a purpose and a plan for our lives if we are still breathing and living on this earth. We just need to seek your will to find out what that is. Maybe it's as simple as picking up a phone and calling people and talking to people about Jesus, inviting people to come to church, and that that's all you do. Or maybe just simply writing cards to people. Or maybe it's something even greater than that, that God wants you to take an investment and to put it into something that he wants you to specifically do, that he wants to use you to change the lives of people for his kingdom's sake. Lord, help us to hear your voice speaking to us and help us to follow you and help us, to Lord, to realize you do love us and you do care about us and you do think about us, so much so that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, if there's any person who's watching or listening to this sermon tonight online or on our phone live streaming who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, may they call out to him tonight to ask him to come into their heart and life to save them, and to help them to live for you all the days of their life. Lord, we believe you, we trust you, and we want to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Bradley, come and lead us in our hymn of invitation, number 281. Speak to my heart as the Lord speaks to you as we stand, as we sing. Will you make your way and come as the Lord lays on your heart tonight?
Amen, amen. I hope that message was a blessing to you tonight, that it encouraged you, uh, that you'll begin uh, getting into the Word of God, begin praying, seeking what His will is for your life. It may not be that you're going to become a, a millionaire selling chicken, fried chicken, but it's got, God's got something that He wants for you to do. So thank you for joining with us uh, tonight online. We'll be back Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, back again in the book of Micah. So uh, come online and join us. Come in person and join us. We'd love to have you. Uh, you have a blessed week, a safe week, and we'll see you this coming Wednesday.